You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The times they are changing. Given recent inflation prints, most notably recently from the United States of America, which saw consumer price inflation numbers released recently at a near 40-year high, and also from the United Kingdom, it seems that interest rates have just started to rise and interest rate rises will continue to be a part of our lives for the foreseeable future. With me now is investment strategist at 91 in London, and that's Russell Silverstone. I think there's a whole legion, a whole series of squads of investment Investors have never known anything but cheap money, Russell, and that, as I said in my introduction, is changing. Absolutely right, Lindsay. I started my career in the city of London in 1982, which was actually the sort of peak in interest rates. And and, and even myself, I've, I've been through rate hike cycles, but the big picture has, has always been that rates have gone lower and we've been stuck at zero, obviously, over, over the COVID period. But rate, rate rises are undoubtedly coming. Yes, they are. Uh, it's just a question of when they start to come. When I'm, And when I say that, I'm specifically referring to the United States of America and how many there will be. There's a consensus that it might be two, three times this year from the US Federal Reserve. Other people are saying it could be more than that. Most people saying it'll start in March. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think big picture, the the Federal Reserve is now in a panic about inflation. So every quarter, they sit around as a committee and they, as individuals, uh, make a forecast. And based on that economic forecast, they then project their own expectations for interest rates. And back in June, so just six months ago, they were forecasting no change in interest rates until before the end of 2023. When they sat down in December, um, they were expecting three by the end of this year. And so there's been a real change in in, in opinion on that committee. And that, that is because inflation is obviously uncomfortably high. I I think because they are in a panic, you're highly likely to see four this year. And I think they are going to carry on until they get interest rate settings back to some sort of level of neutral, i.e. not too hot, not too cold for for the economy. So ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least eight rate hikes over the the next couple of years. Goodness, I mean, that's quite dramatic. And as I said again in my introduction, there are lots and lots of people that have never experienced this before. And it's interesting to see how markets have reacted and will react in the future. Because to my mind, they haven't reacted too badly. There's been a couple of little wobbles here and there, a couple of knee-jerk reactions. But overall, the markets haven't behaved too badly. And when I say the markets, I mean, for example, the US 10-year bond yield. It went to 1.81%, I think it was recently. It's now in the mid-170s. And I'm quite surprised by that. Are you? I'm not, to be honest. One thing I would say is the market, the forecast errors, when it comes to sort of forecasting interest rates, markets are not great. Second thing is there's always continuous demand for um, treasury bonds from, you know, it's still the global safe haven asset. And and thirdly, uh, what's quite interesting is is the market's not as aggressive as my own view on, on what's going to happen to interest rates. So the market's got interest rates peaking out about one and a half percent. So if you think a 10-year bond reflects interest rates, rate expectations for the next 10 years, and you think interest rates are going to peak out about one and a half percent, you can begin to understand why the 10-year bond is, is around about one and three quarters. But it doesn't look, with, with you, it, it doesn't really look at the right level to us. And we, we wouldn't be surprised to see that drift, drift higher over the coming weeks and months. Of course, one of the drivers of this new uh, policy stance is inflation. And there was a 7% print from the United States very recently. 
And Joe Biden, in a presidential speech, said that he thought that uh, the United States was getting inflation under control. I think that was a political statement rather than an economically based uh, statement, because I'm looking at the uh, Commodity Research Bureau index, and it's at a multi-year high. I think it's at the highest level for a basket of widely traded and widely used commodities. It's at level not seen since 2014. So it doesn't seem to be going anywhere but up, or at least staying at elevated levels inflation. Again, I need your opinion on this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, there is no doubt when, when you drill down into what's going on, there are some very, very high high numbers. So, you know, if you looked at yesterday's sort of headline number, things like energy is up 29% year over year. And within that, you know, motor fuel is up nearly 50%. Things like gas for utilities up 24%. And even sort of X sort of food and energy, you know, commodity prices are up 10%. There's a couple of things going on. One, that obviously reflects low prices from last year. So what you're looking at is is the year-on-year change in prices. Second thing is, obviously, there's been huge supply disruptions in, in all of those commodities. So, so yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But, but of course, that's beginning to feed through. And the longer that goes on and the stronger demand, if people feel able to pass some of those prices through, then you see those prices sticking in other products. So this is why the Fed are beginning to worry. I mean, one another way to think about it is you can split that basket of goods and services up into sort of prices that don't change very much Uh, so sticky prices and prices that change a lot flexible prices and one of the federal reserve banks has done some really interesting research on on that said you know the stuff that changes price very often and that's typically sort of less than than every six months that's running at nearly 18 percent year over year. The stuff that doesn't change in price very often is running around about three and a half percent. So even, you know, three and a half percent actually sounds quite low now, but the Fed's target is two percent. So, you know, there are definitely signs it's beginning to feed through in, into into behavior. And that that is why I think the Federal Reserve are beginning to panic and, and, and they're going to slam on those monetary breaks, I think, pretty hard. Yes, indeed. And I think core inflation, uh, talking about the seven percent number, the CPI number, but core inflation i think is five and a half percent and i was watching the oil price a couple of nights ago and it got very close to 85 dollars per barrel by the time this this podcast is being listened to perhaps it's, it's gone through there but that's quite astonishing given that a year or so ago it was uh, down below 20 dollars a barrel and even went negative at some stage i need to ask you this question now You've said that you think the markets are efficient and they've the level of the credit markets is entirely appropriate given what market participants are seeing. But on the other hand, markets can be slightly fickle. Would you say that once the first interest rate rise comes, which it will do probably from the US Federal Reserve, for example, people might say, we knew it was coming, but now we see it in black and white. We have to do something about this and maybe there'll be a reaction. Yeah, I think it's more about where the market sees interest rates through time. And you know, the reason the 10-year bond is around about one and three quarters is it does not see rates rising above one and a half percent. And I think if the Federal Reserve guide higher, if the Federal if, if inflation doesn't come down as quickly as most forecasters predict, then you're going to see a reaction. So yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it see a reaction. I think the other thing to note is it's about, you know, implied inflation in the market and it's quite interesting you know despite um cpi being up at seven percent yesterday inflation expectations in the market peaked three months ago and that's because 
the Federal Reserve's reaction function has clearly changed. And they're now saying, you know, guys, we've got to get on top of this. And it's become political, as you, as you just suggested. And therefore, the market knows this tightening is coming. I think it's underestimated how much tightening is coming down the, down the tracks, but tightening is coming. And so what you typically see is that shorter dated bonds react to that as they build in more rate hikes and longer dated ones um, react more slowly. And through, you know, through time, we, we just expect bonds to continue to sell off. But given the market implied level of interest rates, I can understand why bonds are priced where they are. I just don't think it's correct. You're an investment strategist. Should investment managers be looking at their portfolios and saying 2021 was generally very good for most asset classes, 2022 might not be the same and therefore we shouldn't be making a few adjustments here and there, given the conversation that we've just had? Oh, undoubtedly, this year is going to be completely different. You had, one, you had interest rates at zero pretty much globally. Secondly, you had huge additions of liquidity via quantitative easing, not only from the Federal Reserve, but also by the European Central Bank, who were doing somewhere around 90 billion euros a month, Federal Reserve $120 billion a month. That's all over. So that liquidity is going from a tailwind to a headwind. The Federal Reserve not only are going to stop asset purchases, they're going to start running down their balance sheet. The ECB are going from 90 billion to 20 billion by our autumn, Northern Hemisphere autumn. And so absolutely, that's going to have an effect on everything, you know, all, all of the sort of valuations based on cheap money. You're seeing that already. Uh, so, you know, it is definitely going to be a, a very a more difficult year, I, I suspect. And you've just sparked my interest now because I need to ask you one more question. Do you then think that the withdrawal of liquidity rather than the rising interest rate scenario is more important to risk asset managers, for example? In other words, they've been used to getting all this money in. Now that money has, is being withdrawn slowly and quite responsibly, I think. But on the other hand, it will affect risk asset classes in the future. Yeah, it's really hard to sort of attribute, isn't it? You know, whether it's rate hikes or, or balance sheets that really matter. And if the fact that balance sheets are beginning to, central bank balance sheets are beginning to contract, reflects solid economic conditions, then that may not necessarily be a bad thing for, you know, assets that are correlated with the growth cycle. But yeah, generally speaking, I think the withdrawal of that liquidity should. I suspect it has more of an impact than rate hikes, but there's no way of, I think, of quantitatively sort of proving one way or another. You know, big picture, whether it's hikes or quantitative tightening in the jargon, you know, it is tighter monetary policy one way or another. And all things being equal, that slows growth, that will therefore slow earnings, and it should be negative for, you know, sort of those assets correlated with growth. Russell, I think you're going to have a very busy 2022. Thanks very much for your time. That's Russell Silverstone, investment strategist at 91 in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.